All right. Well, I want to begin this morning. I want to show you a picture on the screen. And uh, this is our house before we moved to Kentucky and Rome, Georgia. And that chimney right in the middle of that picture was the bane of my existence for much of my time in that house. There are uh, a lot of frustration and time spent because of that chimney. And we actually never even used the fireplace, which was even worse uh, about it. So uh, that chimney developed a leak soon after we bought the house. And at that point, our, we had two kids, really young. We had a dog and busy jobs and not a lot of money. And so a leaky chimney was not high on the list of, of being able to take care of very quickly. And so my first response when I started seeing a few drips come through that chimney down through the middle of it uh, was uh, just wipe it up, right? That was my first response. And, uh, but after a while, after some big rainstorms, too many towers were getting used and the wiping didn't really work uh, very well. So what was my next response? What did I do next? I put a bucket under it. And, uh, and the rainstorms would come, and the bucket would get filled slowly. I dumped the bucket, put it back underneath there over and over and over again. And I did this just because I put off investigating the real issue. Honestly, it was just really easy to dump a bucket, right, than to try to figure out how to get after the actual problem. And then finally, I was ready to fix it, and I thought to myself, and I think through a conversation with a friend, this came up, that, man, I think it's, it, this rock's old, there's some gaps in it, seeking through the rocks. So literally, I, I finally found a Saturday morning where I could do something about it, got out there and sealed all these cracks in the rocks. And the rainstorm came, and guess what happened? It was back to the bucket. The bucket went back underneath there. And at some point, along, after this happening for quite a while, probably I'm too embarrassed to admit how long, um, we were looking at selling the house, so I was like, man, I really got to fix this thing, Right? So uh, after investigation on the roof, I found that there was a couple small holes. When I say small, like, like eraser size and smaller in the flashing. And that water was coming in through that on the chimney. And so I took care of that. Uh, but poverty, like in our verse said, had already rushed upon me. Because I went into my crawl space, and I forgot where I was down there, but I was investigating something. And where all that water was coming down, it had rotted out the floor joists underneath the chimney. And whatever I saw dripping wasn't all the water that was coming down. It was trickling it down other ways and causing problems over the long haul. And so let's just say that that was a lot harder fix with a lot more time and effort and crawl spaces about this high than fixing that flashing was or dumping a bucket. And uh, I say all that to say is that this leaky chimney is, has been this just modern-day reminder of how dangerous, how, how the dangerous path of laziness works uh, that we talked about in our verse. And so last week, uh, we talked about how the Proverbs guides us on the ground level in our work. And two examples of this front and center this morning, that, it, that when God wants to make our world flourish, He does it through the work of others, through intentional and skilled hard work. He brings flourishing. And there are so many examples of that in our church. And what we wanted to do is to say to you, listen, if you've got a good work ethic, we want you to understand that that connects back to what God's doing in the world. It's not just a good work ethic. It's about how he is doing his work in the world and brings flourishing to the world. And so this morning, we want to talk about the other side of that. Uh, we want to look at what can rob us of the flourishing that God wants us to have. So our summary for this morning, you'll see it on the screen is that in God's world, the many faces of laziness rob us of the flourishing that God desires for us. The many faces of laziness rob us of the flourishing that God desires for us. And so uh, just a quick reminder of our recap that we set up before you when we first started Proverbs. I'm not going to hit each one of these, but the first one there is that this, this pathway that 
of wisdom that Proverbs lays out before us is centered on our King and Father, and it's for our flourishing. So whatever He says to us from the Word today, He wants you to flourish. He wants you to have the joy of living in the world that He's created. He's created it with certain parameters under a certain way, and for us to experience all that He wants, we've got to live in design with how He created the world. And then lastly on there, it's a pathway that calls us to be teachable to others. So we live in a very productive society, and it's easy in that productive society to say, I'm not lazy, but I know what group of people are. Or I know what lazy, I'm not lazy, but I know what generations are. And Proverbs challenges you to put down your finger and to look in the mirror. That's what I want us to do this morning. So let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for the truth of your word. I've been amazed going through Proverbs to see that something written 3,000 years ago is so incredibly relevant to each and every day that we have. And Father, I want to ask that you would do something that I have no power to do, which is to make your word come alive to us this morning. You know how each of us is coming in. You know what we need to hear from your truth. And I pray that it would come alive, that you would encourage us, that you would draw us back to you, refresh us, and warn us appropriately from your word. Meet us here, God. We need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want us to, how we're going to go this morning, I want us to get a, a, a quick overview, a flyby of our main kind of parable we're looking at in Proverbs. And I want us to work through the faces of laziness, the lies of laziness, and where we go from here. So we're going to look back over Proverbs 24, this little mini parable uh, in, uh, in Proverbs. It says this, starting in verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles. The stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little sumbler, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So in this, you see a vineyard in a field uh, used as an example here. And again, in the ancient Near East, you don't have a civilization without vineyards and field. They are central to making the world flourish. You've got to have them. I was reading a commentary on this. It won't be on your screen, but I want to read you what, what they said about why this was chosen. He says, The sage probably chose the vineyard to illustrate the need for industry because it took painstaking investment, labor, patience, and forethought to prepare and maintain a vineyard. Moreover, because its fruit was so valuable and its owner had to protect it vigilantly. And I think what the Proverbs is wanting us to do here is to think about our lives as a vineyard or many vineyards. And ultimately, they have incredible opportunity. So this vineyard in this field, in this parable, represent the valuable spheres of your life that have the opportunity to produce flourishing for others. So your work, your relationships, your spiritual life, these different arenas of your life, spheres of your life, these are the vineyards that I want us to have in mind as we're moving forward. And the situation was, is that this man came upon a vineyard of field that was overgrown. The weeds had set in. The walls were broken down. In, in essence, the vineyard was in such disrepair that it was unable to do what it was designed to do, which is to help the world flourish and to, and to help people live and breathe and have good fruit in their life. And so then there was a pause in the story, a reflection, where the writer is inviting us to reflect, to learn, to be teachable to what's happening here. And the conclusion the writer comes to is that poverty came quietly but powerfully, and it came through laziness. This was a sluggard's field. So it came through the wasting away of small opportunities that accumulated over time in the vineyard, failing to fulfill its purpose. So small opportunities in our lives 
where we fail to seize them accumulate a broken down vineyard that can't serve humanity. That's the picture here. And the conclusion is that was that poverty came quietly but powerfully. And so I think it's easy to think in a, in a place like America where we're so productive that, well, lesson learned, we're not lazy, let's go home. But I'd say not so fast, and here's why. Proverbs speaks about fools, and fools aren't uh, stupid people in Proverbs. They're people who aren't living in line with how God's wired the world and the fact that he's at the center of it. And the biggest type of fool the Proverbs talks about you want to guess? It's the sluggard. Why? Because it's a common issue. It's a common problem. And so my challenge for us this morning in a hardworking culture is to think of ourselves, what does laziness really look like? So if you uh, were part of the police department and there was a thief uh, out in our community wreaking havoc, uh, unless you have a proper identity of that thief, it's going to be very hard to locate them and capture them. And a matter of fact, if, if you've got the mistaken identity, if you think it looks a certain way, but you really don't, but you get that wrong, it's going to be really hard to find and locate that thief. Well, I think for us, where we sit, oftentimes we've got a particular image in mind of what laziness looks like. And you'll see these come on the screen here. So for you younger folks, everybody knows who the yellow character is, right? Homer Simpson. Uh, anybody watch Married with Children growing up? Yeah. If you're a Gen X kid, you, if your parents weren't watching you close enough, you watched Married with Children, right? Uh, but those two characters, oftentimes when we think of laziness, we think of that, right? We think of just sitting on the couch after work, wasting your life away with a beer in your hand and a donut in your hand. Uh, and maybe you could throw Peggy from there for that too. I think Bon Bon's was her favorite thing. Yes, I watched Married with Children way too much growing up. But the point is, if we think laziness looks like this, then most of us in here are probably like, yeah, I'm not very lazy. We need, a proper, we need to properly identify. We need the real identity markers of what laziness looks like because it isn't always like this. And so what I want us to do is to see that laziness has many other faces, and we got to see them in order to identify them. Let's look at verse 20, verse 4 in Proverbs. It says, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So, what I want us to see is the issue of a lazy person is an action and a failure to act on and do what's important. So the example given here is farming. We see sluggard, we think Homer Simpson. The Proverbs speak of sluggard, they speak of inaction. So the example given is farming. If a person doesn't plow during the right season, then when it comes down to harvest, they're not going to have anything. And, and what Proverbs is wanting us to see and what God's wanting us to see is there are certain unbending type of laws in our world. If you don't put the attention to the heart, to the actual field, there will be no fruit in the end. And this is true of all of life. Does it always work this way? No. Could there be potential fruit that comes without much work? Sometimes. But the picture is if we, are, if we fail to act, then there will be no harvest. And this is across all areas of life. And so the sluggard failed to plow. My question is why? What kept them from plowing? What led to the inaction? And this is where I think the different faces of laziness come in. So I want to mention four here. The first one that you'll see on the screen is the first face of laziness I want us to draw attention to is the easy path. Proverbs 14, 23 says this, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk 
leads only to poverty. So the pathway to flourishing, which we talked about last week, involves rolling up your sleeves and doing the hard thing sometimes. And so laziness can be identified when we keep taking the easy path, the path of least resistance. I mean, this is in my original story of the chimney. This is the bucket underneath there, right? This was the easy path. It was very easy to put a bucket underneath the leak and dump it. And that kept taking that easy path over and over and over again, not really addressing the issue. The easy path can also be this. We talk a big game, but we really struggle to get started. Or we start and we really struggle to finish because both those things are very difficult things to do. We wait for the perfect time, the perfect situation. Again, with my chimney, I wanted, I had a million reasons why the upcoming Saturday was not the Saturday to start on the chimney, right? There's million reasons that come up. And so let's think about some real life examples here other than chimneys. Is, uh, you know, it's easier to turn on the TV and watch with a spouse or child than to look at each other and talk. Really easy. And again, I'm going to list a lot of examples, and not one of them are usually wrong in isolation, but it's the pattern. A little sleep, a little slumber, over and over again, produce vineyards that don't give fruit. So it's easier to keep living in the tyranny of the urgent rather than setting up a system to stay on top of the important things in work. The easy path is setting, settling for the bare minimum, putting off hard projects, cutting corners. I mean, I think about in our walk with the Lord, it's easier to listen to a podcast than it is to actually go and try to spend time with God and talk to Him and open the Bible and read. It just really is. It's the easier path. It always seems to be when we've got uh, maybe an, a, a disagreement with someone that just lives beneath the surface, it's a whole lot easier uh, to just let that disagreement continue on than to try to find a convenient time to talk about it, right? This is the date night with the spouse that you're always meaning to work out and plan, but don't put into motion. And the path is the some of us are really good at taking the hard path into one area of our life, but the other vineyards we really struggle with taking the easy path. We convince ourselves that now is not the time, maybe later, and maybe later eventually turns into a broken down vineyard. That's what the Proverbs are wanting to teach us. That's one face of laziness. Another face of laziness is distraction. So we face a difficult vineyard in our lives, and oftentimes we welcome distraction. The distraction gives us a sense that we're still doing something, but we're not doing the most important thing, right? And so some examples. So actually, this was quite hilarious and probably by design. I'm sitting down to write this sermon, and it, I'm getting this writer's block. It's hard for me to think. And what happens in that moment? I welcome distraction. Well, Tuesday was election day. A good welcome distraction was catching up on the news. Or a welcome distraction where there's a five other things I could get done that day in my office that weren't the harder tasks that I needed to do. We welcome distractions, right? We welcome the distraction of a text message or a notification of a fantasy football or a new friend's latest pick when it's time to sit down and read the Bible. We often welcome those distractions at those moments, right? We say it's just going to be one more show, then we'll get down to that important thing. And so Netflix has figured out if they start a show every five, ten seconds, whatever it is, they often draw us in. Why? Because you and I like it. We like the distraction. And the reality is, is that welcoming distractions become a way that you and I give an open invitation to the bandits coming in and taking over our vineyard. It really is. And it just happens right under our nose. The face of laziness doesn't look like Homer Simpson always. It's the picture of distraction. Another one is busyness. 
right? So being, being diligent is not the same thing as being busy. I'm sure both Emily and Bruce could tell you there are a lot of things they can do in their job and fail at their job. They could be really busy in their job and not be diligent. And it looks very different. So we can easily avoid the hard task by busying ourselves with something that really isn't the need. So right now I'm in the in process of writing a thesis to finish out my master's. And it's hard, and I don't like writing, and I set time aside for it. And when it comes up, oftentimes I'll, I'll give myself a larger chunk of time. And what happens is I'm able to busy myself with lots of other things that need to do, but aren't the most important thing to do at that time. And so I feel like I'm being productive, but really I'm not doing what I need to be doing. It's just a pathway of laziness. We can busy ourselves with the dishes so we don't have to sit with the kids, right? I know there's, that's true for us. We can face a mountain challenges of at home so we busy ourselves more at our job so we don't have to turn to it. I would say my first several years of marriage was this. It was Learning to be married for a selfish person like me was incredibly difficult. You know what was a lot easier? Work. So what did I do? Busied myself with work. And what happened? The vineyard of my marriage faced a lot of poverty. Right? We, we just trade diligence for one and laziness for the other sometimes. You know, I think sometimes we're scared to open our Bibles and start to pray because we wonder if God's going to show up. So we just get busy with other things instead. But busyness is one of these things that gives us the illusion that we're working hard, but in actuality, we're welcoming that robber to come into our vineyard. And then the last phase of laziness I want to mention to you here is apathy. You know, obviously, this is the most obvious and ugliest face of laziness that we don't get there overnight. But I want us to see Proverbs 19:15. It says this: slothfulness casts us into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. And I think what happens, the more we give in to these other, other faces of laziness, the more we begin to welcome apathy in our life. It says here that laziness casts us into deep sleep. And I think what that, the picture it's giving here is that when we're in a deep sleep, we're unaware of so much going around us, right? And if you've ever woken up really quickly, it takes a while for your eyes to adjust to things you don't see clearly around you. And that's the picture of laziness here, is that it robs us from being able to see everything that's going on, and we grow to be apathetic, right? So, and I, I want to mention quite a few examples of this because I think it's difficult for us to see. But one area, if, if when we see that sin that we keep getting distracted from repenting of, and we end up tolerating and growing comfortable with, and so what happens is that we grow accustomed in our life to anxious thoughts, to lustful looks, to self-pity. They, they just become normal for us and become part of life and so that we just ignore them or we live with them, right? Apathy is when we grow accustomed to bitterness and isolation we feel in relationships. We have relationships where we feel that and we just grow accustomed to it over time and never do anything about it, right? Apathy is when we grow comfortable with the status quo at work. We don't dream or pursue. It's where we've been, you know, it's been so long since we've opened up our Bible or so long since we've had genuine community that we've just grown accustomed to it. We just tolerate it. We just live at home with it, Right? It's where we settle where we are in life instead of honing a particular skill or ability. You know, when I mentioned how I traded productivity in my vineyard of work for productivity in my vineyard of marriage, I grew accustomed to that. 
And so the coexistence that developed, the relational poverty I had in my relationship with Noel, I just grew apathetic to it. It just became normal for me until it hit rock bottom. And that's the picture of the way apathy works. It's not the, last, it's not the first thing you land on. It's the last thing you land on after a little sleep and a little slumber. You get caught into this deep sleep. And so enough surrenders to laziness, and we end up succumbing to apathy and just accept poverty in a vineyard of our life. And so when we begin to see these different faces of laziness, it's not fun talking about this, right? Like this is a real difficult struggle. But when we begin to see it, we've got to ask the question, why in the world would we trade a fruitful vineyard for inaction and laziness? Why would we? And I think this makes us confront the lies that laziness bring. We don't settle outright, but we slowly come succumb to laziness and its lies. And so one of the lies that we, we face in our life is that we make excuses that seem plausible to us in the moment. Some of you, if you were doing our study this week in Proverbs, you read twenty two thirteen, and it said, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. And you're like, that is strange. And what's going on here is that there were actually lions in the ancient Near East, but the likelihood of you getting killed by a lion in that in a street was pretty rare. And so the, the picture here is this seems outlandish, but what's trying to, the, this, the writer is trying to prove a point about our sarcasm, through sarcasm, is that ultimately we give excuses and sometimes seemingly out, outlandish excuses for our laziness. And the point is we don't just give in to laziness right away. We have a million excuses that go with it. I had a million excuses why I didn't need to deal with the chimney. I had a million excuses on why I needed to go home instead of go to work. This is the way things work. We use excuses to rationalize our inaction. But that leads us to another lie that's more blatant rationalization. We rationalize that it's only a small thing. And so that's the beauty of verses 33 and 34 in chapter 24. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Derek Kidner says it like this. He says, he does not commit himself to refusal, but deceives himself by the smallness of his surrenders. So by inches and minutes, the opportunity slips away. You get that? I mean, how true is that? It's just only one more day. It's only one more time I'll go to work. It's only one more show or one more scroll through Instagram. Like that's the way it works. It, we rationalize it and the opportunity slips away. But I think there's another lie that's just as deadly. It's the lie that we tell ourselves that it only affects us. Proverbs 21, 26, which if you did our study this week, it was in this. It said, he is filled with craving all day long, but the righteous give and don't hold back. And so the lazy person here craves and isn't fulfilled. But the picture of the righteous here, because it's a comparison with lazy, if the diligence in their life not only fills their cravings, they have something to give to others. And the picture here is that laziness, we can deceive ourselves that any laziness in our lives just affects us. But God didn't design the vineyards of your life to be for you and you only. It is on the vineyards of your life to bless the community you live in. And so if there's laziness in an area, then that vineyard isn't being fruitful to give to others. And that's what God cares about. He longs for you to join him in bringing flourishing to the world. And so all the laziness in our lives really does hinder us from giving not only the flourishing in our lives, but giving it to the world. And then ultimately what's happening here. Those little lies are deceiving us of something bigger. 
we're cover up something deeper with these lies. And I think what, and this isn't always the case, but I think what's ultimately happening here, in our laziness, we cannot face what needs to be faced. There's something difficult that we need to face in that action that we're unwilling to. And so our busyness and distraction protect us. They cover it up. They keep us from having to deal with it, right? The, the apathy, the easy road, it's because we can't face something. We look to these paths of laziness in one sense, deep down, this is subconscious, to rescue us from something difficult that we're called to face in that moment. And this is where all of Proverbs circles back around to Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That ultimately, there's something that we're revering in that moment, our comfort, our image, our success, to such a degree that it, we can't turn into something difficult because it's threatened. And so laziness is an easy rescue. It pulls us away from dealing what we ultimately need to deal with. And what God is saying here, He wants you to come back to the heart and address it there. And so God is calling out the many deceptive faces of our laziness because they're robbing of us of the flourishing He wants to bring in the vineyards of our life. So where do we go from here? I want to give you two points of application. The first one is this. It's to take inventory and be warned. You know, I think the Proverbs is calling you to be teachable. And so the reality is we do have to look first as in a mirror, right? And to ask ourselves, maybe we are more like Al Bundy than we want to realize. And maybe that laziness displays a little different. But we've got to take an honest look. Where are there weeds growing up in our life? Where does there seem to be no harvest? And I want us to be warned that the laziness in that area is not a small thing. But I want us to think about it like this. God cares so much for us. He cares so much for the flourishing of our own life and the lives of others that He would warn us to wake us out of the apathy that we would see the ultimate potential of what He wants us to have in our lives. And that we wouldn't trade the smallness of little opportunities and laziness in those things and waste away a vineyard in our life. Because he knows that if we overlook a vineyard of our heart, the vineyard of our family, the vineyard of our work, the results can be disastrous. And what I would really encourage you to do is to wrestle with these questions in community with at least one other person. Because here's the thing. It's not always a one-to-one reality. There could be a vineyard that isn't producing the fruit that you long for in your life. But it's not necessarily because of you. But I don't think that you could determine that on your own. I think you need the loving help of the body of Christ to do so. And we've got to put this in balance too. This doesn't mean that if you, like, if you need rest, that it means you're being lazy. I mean, you've got to remember, well before the Proverbs were given to God's people, they were given the Ten Commandments, of which God built in the rest they needed to live a fruitful life. And so these are put in balance with that. But we do need to take an inventory and be warned. Warned, And then lastly, to run to the rescuer. I do think that there are areas in our life that all of us want to run from the hard work there. And it's this cheap little rescue that we think will, will help us. But the ways we run to laziness will never give us the rest we really long for. It's going to, not going to give us the rescue we want to long for. I want to point us to the reality that our King and Father 
is here today to awaken us from the deception and enslavement to what's easy. And God, when we're sitting before Him, and I'm telling you He's warning us, and we're looking in a mirror, God isn't pointing His finger at us, and He's not saying, you lazy people, what's your problem? I entrusted you again with something, and you failed me again. A lot of times, that's the posture we think God has for us. But remember, He's our Father. What's His heart today? Is He longs for you to enjoy the, the flourishing that He has for this world in your life and the lives of others. And so His warning for us is to awaken us from deception for joy. And He wants us to fix our eyes on all the ways that He has cast aside apathy, cast aside all these things to pursue us and rescue us. Think about Jesus Himself, right? God sent Christ not to take the easy road. God was not apathetic to the brokenness of this world. He is not busying Himself with many other things and distracted by many other things. No, He sent His Son to take the hard and difficult path to pursue you and I and rescue us from our own enslavement to comfort to reunite us to relationship with Him. He didn't come after us because we had good work ethic. He's warning us because He loves us and He wants to rescue us. And He has given us a stewardship of vineyards over our life. And He wants us to partner with Him in that stewardship to bring flourishing to our families, our community, our workplaces. And He is convinced that is one of the tastes of the joys that you'll have in this world. And laziness seeks to rob us from us. So the warning comes not from a, from a, a God pointing His finger. It comes at a Father welcoming you to the rescuer, the true rescuer that will give you the joy you long for. So Grace Church, let's cast off the many faces of laziness and cultivate the valuable vineyards of our lives for the flourishing of others. Let's pray. Father, there's not a vineyard in my life that hasn't been robbed by the poverty that has come through laziness. And the reality is, as we all walk in, there are vineyards in our life that we don't want anyone else to know about. We don't want them to see the weeds growing up. We don't want them to see the harvest that's not very plentiful. And we don't want to see it because it comes back to some, something that we're fearful of or something that we're avoiding. But God, this is the very reason why you entered the brokenness of this world to point your fingers but to rescue us and you want us to experience the joy of being back in your presence and the joy of partnering with you in the work you've given us in this world and so father would you would your holy spirit give us insight help us look in the mirror today but then help us run to you and rescue you and receive your rescue and i pray that you would give us insight into the baby steps we need to take to turn into difficult things, to experience more of the joy you long to give us through bringing flourishing to others. Would you meet us here? Amen.